All right, we are going to get started. We are so thankful to have Miss Versi here with us tonight. <laughs> so thankful. And um, we're going to just do a little team teaching. Yeah, we're going to still keep teaching. We it's sure It's going to be like a okay. duet. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a jazz square right, here in a minute. That's right. We're going <laughs> to just, you know, t team teach tonight. So that'll be good. <laughs> All right. Well, are we ready? We are ready. Well, good. I am so glad to be here tonight. I, uh, you know, last, last month I just, I, I didn't have my wheelchair and, so I think it would have been more difficult. So it was, it was to be able to do the Zoom was good for me. But I, I my heart is here, and um, so and I found out that I could get, manip get manipulate a wheelchair <laughs> somewhere and get here. That uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be here with each one of you. I miss. I remember uh, last with the Zoom, they they just zoomed right in on me, and. Uh, <laughs> And I couldn't, and they zoomed right in on the middle, and I really couldn't see who was here, you know. And I was trying, I told Davis, if we ever do that again, you need to scan around so I can see uh, all the people. And uh, I, I missed that. I missed uh, being with y'all and seeing your faces and uh, talking with y'all. So, but yes, tonight, uh, Dana and I are going to kind of team up a little bit uh, on our lessons. You know, I, I think this is important because... Uh, you know, I, I want to keep going. As long as I can go, I'm going to go. <laughs> but I also am having struggles. And I know I'm having struggles. And so um, at some point that, uh, you know, Dana's going to have to take over. And so uh, I think this is making this an easy transition for us to just be able to team up a little bit. And then at what point that I'm not able to come or not able to be here or to, uh, you know, teach, then uh, we've got it all taken care of. So, uh, you know, the God has been so good to me and has uh, just blessed me in, uh, in beyond what I could um, even begin to uh, communicate, uh, you know, through all of this. And, um, you know, I want to be faithful uh, you know, even to the end, you know, some of my struggles that y'all can pray for, for me, is that of my eyesight, I really can't see any, the, the glasses are a fake, to be honest, because I can't see any better with the glasses on than I can with them uh, out, so I'm, I know that I, I have floaters that go, I also I have things in my eyes, so sometimes I have trouble seeing, and so um, that's also a help for me, for Dana to read and stuff for me. Uh, you know, that's, I have, um, I have a little more trouble focusing uh, and, and losing my train of thought and not thinking, not being able to think of the word. Uh, so, but having my notes here helps me a lot with that, you know, although I really can't see them. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, anyway, it does give me a little bit of confidence. So that might help you to know how to pray for me uh, as I continue through this. Well, tonight we're going to, uh, we're on week five of our study of the Sermon on the Mount entitled The Way of Prayer. And uh, we're about halfway through the study uh, tonight. And our, uh, our main topics tonight are giving, fasting, and praying. Aren't those, that's some, some, those are some good topics. And so I hope that uh, these are a blessing to you. I'll do just a real quick little recap. The first time we met was our introduction. Then the second time we uh, 
our second meeting, we talked about the Beatitudes, which are eight statements that Jesus makes in regard to what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then the next time we met, we began to uh, look at some uh, specific topics, six specific topics. And uh, these topics also revealed uh, the things that are valuable to God. And if those things are valuable to God, then those things should be valuable to us as well. Uh, life, commitment, our oath, the things that we say, um, you know, loving our enemies, all of those things uh, we should um, consider as, as valuable. Uh, I'll also remind you again that the Sermon on the Mount is one continuous message. He, he started the me message. He preached through his message, and then he concluded. And so it's not just uh, snippets of things that Jesus is going to talk about. You know, he, from beginning to end, it is a message, one continuous message. And so tonight we're going to be uh, starting on chapter 6. We finished chapter 5. And now we're um, beginning chapter 6. So Dana's going to read um, chapter 6. And, and if you'll read down through verse 8. Okay. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Thank you, Dana. These uh, verses are very self-explanatory. Uh, but uh, Jesus is saying, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, you should do all of these things in the way of Jesus, not in the way of the hypocrite. So I want us to take just a little, you know, side trail here, and let's look at what, at the word hypocrite. You know, if you go to the dictionary, the uh, Webster's Dictionary, he gives several different examples of, of, you know, the definition of that. So the first definition is one who pretends to be what he is not. The second definition is one who has a form of godliness without the power. And then the third definition was one who assumes the appearance of piety when he is destitute in faith. When you know, when as I read um, these definitions, there was one that really stood out to me and uh, caught my attention. And, and, it was, and it was this one, the one who has a form of godliness without the power. 
I need and you need the power of God in our lives. You know, I don't want to go through my life in my Christian life, and you should not want that other, that either, with a false or a fake godliness. And because this is what was happening with the scribes and Pharisees. It was a fake. You know, they put on a big show, but really, there was no power in it. And so, uh, I need the Lord's pride, the Lord's power to strengthen and to sustain me every day. And we should all, we all need the Lord's power to strengthen and sustain us. And we should all want our giving to be with the power of God, not to be seen by others or to make a spectacle in front of others like the Pharisees and the scribes were. You know, I, I love to give to people, and I try. You know, uh, that uh, we give in a way that only God and the person that you're giving to know what the gift is. You know, we're not giving, we don't give to impress people or uh, to receive a blessing. Uh, God, uh, we just leave that to the Lord. And when a hypocrite gives or fast, they tend to do it, uh, you know, with one primary focus. And that focus is to convince others uh, how compassionate they are or how, you know, you know, their heart, what a good heart they have. Um, God sees our heart. God knows our heart. And it makes no difference what you or I think about it. It's God that is the judge. And um, the Pharisees intended, their intention, uh, they intended for their righteousness to be seen by others. That's why they sounded the trumpet and, you know, did all the things that they did because they wanted other people to know what they were doing because they wanted to, uh, you know, to get the, be esteemed highly. But the, what the scripture is telling us is that if we give in our giving, our money, uh, material things, whatever it is that we're giving, uh, if we're doing this to get praise from others, um, you know, or get our name on some kind of list or on a plaque or something, really, it just becomes a form of advertising. And there's no eternal reward in that. Our reward is here. This is it. And so, you know, I want to say that, you know, also that we've been instructed in Scripture to give, to support the church and the work of the church. And this is not what I'm talking about. Um, the Old Testament, re Testament refers to it as a tithe. But in this passage, Jesus is clearly referring uh, to another way of giving, and that is to help those who are in need. When we see someone in need, we should reach out to help them and to uh, help them meet their need. But that's just between you and that person. Not everybody has to know about it. And so that's what... Um, uh, Matthew is expressing, you know, in his writing here, what Jesus has said. So uh, I want to, and if you'll read verse 2 one more time. Read 2, 3, and 4. Yes, ma'am. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And as I said before, that's very self-explanatory, uh, but uh, I think that it's, um, you know, it's, not, it's a manifestation of our heart, and God sees that, and he knows that, and that's how he wants us uh, to give. Anybody have any questions on those first eight verses? Remember, he's not talking here about a tithe. He's talking about reaching out and helping people that we see that are in need. All right, we're going to skip the, down. We're going to skip over the prayer. We're going to come back to it. And uh, so we're going to go down to verse 16. And so, Dana, if you'll read verses 16 through 18, and then she's going to share with us some things in regard to fasting because we don't, we don't really do that, do we? <laughs> no, but the, but the Bible speaks of it mm -hmm. uh, a lot. And so Dana's mm -hmm. going to talk to us about that. So verse 16 through 18 says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's the same pattern. Yes. Those verses follow yes. the same pattern, right? We just read about prayer and about giving. Have any of you heard of the new trendy diet called intermittent fasting? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I have. Me too. And I thought, well, that sounds vaguely familiar. I've seen that word before somewhere, right? Turns out it's in our Bible. <laughs> and um, I really agree with Versi. I haven't heard a lot of teaching or really seen a lot of fasting or heard people teaching or talking about fasting a lot growing up in Baptist churches. Um, however, you know, this fasting concept really has felt maybe because of that like elusive and mysterious and impossible, really. Um, I think I've just tried to pretend like it really didn't apply to me or the church today. But it is a little difficult to escape because it's mentioned in our Bible over 70 times, with the first example being found in Exodus 34. So here in Matthew, Jesus is assuming that this is a discipline that his followers are practicing. Because remember, these um, in cultural context, these Jewish listeners are hearing Jesus preach this sermon, they would have been fasting regularly as part of the Old Testament law that they were still trying to follow. But even besides them, there are many, many people in our Bible who fasted, even Jesus himself, right? I'm going to read some examples, and we're not, I'm going to tell you the scripture reference if you want to write them down and go back to it later. Um, but here are just a few examples of people in our Bible who, examples of them fasting. So Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 9. David fasted to mourn his child's illness and ask God to intervene in 2 Samuel. Ezra fasted to mourn the sins of his people in Ezra chapter 10. Esther fasted for the safety of the Jews in Esther chapter 4. Daniel fasted for an answer to prayer in Daniel chapter 10. The elders of the church in Antioch 
fasted before sending out missionaries in Acts chapter 13. And of course, Jesus himself fasted before starting his ministry, right, in Matthew chapter 4. So fasting is a theme throughout all of Scripture. And while it's never commanded of believers, the Bible does give us a lot of really good reasons to fast, to practice this spiritual discipline. So I'm going to read a, a few of those good reasons. And again, if, if you want to jot down, we're not going to turn to all of these references. But um, in the Bible, there are examples of believers fasting before making an important decision in Acts 13 and 14. Fasting for God's intervention in 2 Samuel. Fasting to show humility in Psalm 35. Fasting in response to grief or mourning in Psalm 35 and then also in Esther chapter 4. Fasting to request God's protection in Esther chapter 4 and Ezra chapter 8. Fasting with repentance in Joel chapter 2 verse 12. And I'll read that verse. It says, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And there he is speaking of repentance. Now, there are also reasons not to fast. And I think it's important that we look at those also. Because not all fasts are God-honoring. So here are three bad reasons to fast. Number one. We should not fast to twist God's arm, right? The people in Isaiah chapter 58 were regular fasters, but they got a little miffed when they thought God didn't really notice their fasting. So they, in Isaiah 58, 3, they say, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then God took the opportunity to teach his people about true and false fasting. Because fasting is about positioning our own hearts, not twisting the arm of God. So it's not a transaction where we fast and then God gives us what we want. Because that would make him a pretty small God, right? It's a gift that he gives to us, not a gift that we give to him. So reason number one, should not fast to twist God's arm. Reason number two, we should not fast to gloss over our sin. The Pharisees were also regular fasters, weren't they? But they were also very good at missing the point of things, true? In Luke chapter 18, verse, verses 9 through 14, Jesus blasts a Pharisee who publicly declared that he fasts twice a week while simultaneously glossing over his own sin because fasting is not a substitute for repentance. So listen to, the, to this, uh, these scriptures from Luke chapter 18. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, bad reason number three that scripture also speaks to is we should not fast to show off. Um, In her book, Fasting and Feasting, so Erin Davis just recently released this book, Fasting and Feasting, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in learning more about this topic. But Erin Davis wrote, Jesus said we should pray and fast in secret. And it's not because fasting is shameful or something to be covered up, but because it is private. It's between you and God. If your motivation for fasting is to impress others, to make them see you as super spiritual or extra holy, go ahead and have the cheeseburger, sister, (laughs) because that is not what fasting is really about. The kind of fasting, or the chicken on the bone and the collard greens, the kind of (laughs) fasting that Jesus calls us to is the kind of fasting that really is a step of humility and surrender to the Lord. And as we see here in Matthew 6, fasting with wrong motives is not pleasing to the Lord. He'd rather us just not fast at all if we're going to fast just to draw attention to ourselves, right? And if you do fast to lose weight, that's great. I hear it works wonders. But don't try to pretend that you're fasting for spiritual purposes if your motivation (laughs) really is to lose weight, okay? So doing any of the spiritual disciplines, whether it is giving or praying or fasting or any of the things God commands us to do for show um, is not what God intends. And that does not glorify God. And we are not made to live for our glory. We're made for God's glory. So I just think of um, Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, for the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord, man looks at the out word appearance, but the Lord looks on what? The heart. So in our scripture context tonight, God isn't actually concerned about our face being clean and our hair not being oily. Um, He's actually more concerned with the condition of our heart. And he's not even concerned that we keep it a secret um, at all times. If we're fasting together, there are places in scripture where we're called to fast together and encourage one another as we fast But again, it all comes back to your motivation. Um, The hypocrites in Matthew 6, they were making themselves look miserable just so people would ask them what was wrong, just so they could say what? I'm fasting, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Um, you see, fasting requires humility. When we deny ourselves food or anything for that matter that our flesh craves and desires and needs, then we are trusting God to sustain us. So that self-denial is where we come in humility. Now, one thing scripture makes abundantly clear is that when God's people pray and fast, things do change. God does an inward and an outward work through this discipline and somehow through the working of the Holy Spirit, When we deny ourselves um, physical hunger, our spiritual hunger for God grows. So remember, we just uh, covered Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And that's not a physical filling. 
So, like I said, fasting isn't really a spiritual discipline that I've ever really studied or been taught growing up um, in Baptist churches. I always knew, I mean, my Catholic friends, you know, they didn't eat, uh, they only ate fish on Fridays, and my, um, my uh, Methodist friends, they usually would, like, um, fast from sodas and Netflix during Lent before <laughs> Easter. But does anybody in here have any... Um, real experiences with fasting as a spiritual discipline or know of anyone who has experienced fasting as a spiritual discipline that they would want to share about? Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's cool to see your two different experiences, just fasting as just a part of a ritual without the power of the Holy Spirit versus you're, now that you're converted and you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the difference between the two right. for, as that, for that spiritual growth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, in verse 16 it says, when you fast. Right. So, <laughs> so it, 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 you know, this is a given that, that we, were, we were to be fasting. Mm -hmm. And so this was very convicting to me mm -hmm. uh, when I read that, that, uh, you know, uh, this is something that we should be a part of our life. It shouldn't be strange to us to fast. Uh, and, but then he also says and, uh, that we will be rewarded uh, through our fasting. And so uh, he hears, uh, he um you know, he, he, he knows our heart, and so we can expect that God is going to bless through our fasting. And so I hope that this was uh, for you, maybe an, an eye-opener to you as much as it was to me, and that we um, make fasting a part of our spiritual disciplines um, and not because I think that, um, you, know, it, you know, bring great blessings in our lives. To do that, All right? And you know, when you have that intense focus on the Lord, He does reveal things to us, because that's the whole purpose of the fast is to uh, to just you know just spend a day or however many days that you're doing this that that where your your focus is you know on the Lord, your focus is um, you know. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but, you know, that God, and, and then God blesses us for that. He gives us, you know, as I think about all different things that we face, when we face a tribulation or a trial in our lives, that should be, that, sh that should be the first thing we think about is fasting, that we go to the Lord and we spend some quality, intense time with the Lord. Uh, and he will guide us, and he'll direct us and bless us in our decisions. Sometimes we don't know what the decision is. Fast and ask God um, to give you uh, the, answer, the answer to whatever it is that, that you're seeking. And so we're going to go move on, and we're, gonna, uh, we're now going to go back uh, to prayer. And just as we seek the power of God in our giving and in our fasting, we should also seek the power of God in our prayers. And our prayers uh, should, you know, we should, should be covered with the power of God. We shouldn't want to pray just so others will think that we're spiritual. Uh, but then on the flip side of that, you know, there are some people that, that don't want to pray out loud. 
you know, they call, call on them to pray, you know. So I said, no, 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 I, I can't do that. Um, why? You know, I think that we should, I think we should be ready to pray. Pray shouldn't be, prayer shouldn't be foreign to us. But why do they not? Because they're afraid somebody's going to judge them and to think they're not quite spiritual enough in their prayers. You see, it's not what we say. It's what's in our heart. You know, I fumble all over myself, you know, in, in prayer. But God knows what's in my heart. And so uh, we should be, prayer should be a, uh, just as much a, a of a discipline is anything in our life. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, as far as the Lord's Prayer is concerned, um, everybody knew the Lord's Prayer. We even said the Lord's Prayer at school. Um, and uh, now, everybody knew the Lord's Prayer, but they didn't know the Lord. <laughs> but they knew that they could, you know, the, they could recite the Lord's Prayer along with everybody else, you know. But it was done with about the passion of an escalator ride. <laughs> You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty. You understand, you see how I just rhymed, you know, like that. Uh, it, it, um, they just barrel through it. But there was zero processing going on in the mind as to what they were actually saying. And so... Um, to tell you the truth, uh, I'm a little bit intimidated to teach this section myself because I don't consider myself to be a prayer warrior. You know, there are some of you in this room that are. You really are. You know, I, 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 I've always wanted to be better at, at my praying. I, in fact, one, I always go back to Brother Jerry, but one day he, we were talking and he said, you know, was there something that you would like to do better? I said, yeah, I'd like to be better at, at praying. And so we talked about that. And God has, um, you know, he has uh, helped me a lot in this area, in the area of prayer. But, you know, there's some of you in this room that are very effective in your prayers. Um, and... Um, you know, I could identify, I can identify some of you in this room that do that. And if I had a need, a, a desperate, something that I, I, I call that person to pray for me because I know that they will. I know that they will pray. I know they'll be committed to that. And they are, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be haphazard about it. And so we, but we should all be disciplined that way in our prayer life. Um, and so, uh, because I, I have prayed and asked God to help me be more effective in my prayer life. He has graciously helped me to do that. Um, and he will for you too. Uh, I also am encouraged by the prayers, your prayers. I'm encouraged um, by the prayers of my family. Um, you might say, well, you know, how do you know? I know. I have been in situations and circumstances where... I knew people were praying for me. I could, I could sense it, and things, I, things just changed just like that. And I know that it was because of their prayers. Um, I'll tell you, and I may have shared this with you before, but uh, I had, right after I was diagnosed, I had a 
stent and it was causing me a lot of problems and I had to go to the hospital and then they called MD Anderson and said no um, transporter and so they took me by ambulance from CHI down to uh, MD Anderson. I was in horrific pain, horrific pain. Um, I don't think I've ever had pain like that before. And, and um, But I knew that people were praying for me um, that had been shared. And I don't know, somewhere between Houston, between Lufkin and Houston, the pain stopped. Absolutely stopped. When I got to Houston, they began questioning me, and they said, "I said I'm not, I'm not hurting anymore," <laughs> and they couldn't believe it because of the situation that was the the the, the uh, stent was kinked, and you know all of this thing that just just like that. It, but he was gone, and I believe that God heard the prayers, and He eased that pain for me. They, I still had the kink and, the, um, and all of that, and they had to fix it. But um, I wasn't hurting like I was. Um, I believe God answered prayers, and I believe he, he answers. You know, he hears us. And so we need to be, um, we need to pray. If we don't pray, if we don't ask, then we're not going to receive. And so prayer is important in our life. Um, I want us to just take um, a little bit of time to pull apart this prayer. And remember that this is not a formula. You know, some people just pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, well, it, that's not that. It's, just, it's a um, sample of what a genuine prayer should look like. But it's not, you know, the prayer. Uh, so re remember that. Um, when Jesus was teaching this, he used six sets pronouns. The first three talked about the Father. The second three spoke about our relationship with the Father. So let's go back to verse 9. And it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's look at this first phrase. It says, Our Father in heaven. Jesus is reminding them, and he is reminding us that when we pray, we're not just praying out to the uh, you know, cosmos or uh, the universe or uh, to nature. We're praying to a person, and that person is our Heavenly Father. And so uh, the Jewish people, remember, they would not have understood all of this because they didn't understand anything about the Trinity at this point at all. Um, they knew about God. They knew about Yahweh. Um, and so it would have been very different for them to, you know, talk about praying to their father. But there is a, and as time goes on, they begin to realize. But, you know, it, it's a precious relationship. You know, it just reminds me of, you know, to, to be a son. Or to be a daughter of the heaven of our heavenly Father. Oh my goodness, do we understand the magnitude of that? To be able to call Him our Father. Um, only those, only those who are saved, only those who are followers of Christ, can say, "Our Father, our Father." Isn't that amazing? Um, 
the first thing, notice, that he says, our Father in heaven. In other words, we're naming the person we're talking to, our Father in heaven. So when we pray, we need to address our Father, who we're talking to. And then the next thing is that um, we're to acknowledge that we're in the presence of a holy God, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. When we, um, when we are uh, in the presence, and we're, we're talking to God when we're praying, that's a holy, that is a holy place. And it should be kept holy, set apart. The Father's name should always be honored. It should be consecrated above all names. You know, oftentimes we just start our prayers with, you know, God, you know, you know, we just start telling him what we need, you know, and we don't acknowledge who he is or the significance of that relationship that we have with him. And so in this sample prayer, we need to make sure that we're acknowledging him and, and acknowledging and honoring him um, as holy and set apart. Uh, notice this is a logical progression in our, in our petition. We honor the Lord before we mention any needs we have. But you see, we're accustomed to just going right in there and start telling him what we need him to do. <laughs> no. We acknowledge who he is in his presence. And then the next says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the third uh, phrase. Now, the kingdom of God exists here on earth. It exists in the hearts and lives of all of those who have submitted themselves to him. The you know, all of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's kingdom exists in the church. God's kingdom lives and reigns in his people. So Jesus is emphasizing here, before you think about your own personal needs and desires, then we should have a burning desire uh, for the name of the Lord to be honored and glorified. That comes first. That comes first. The will of God is to be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, what is the will of God? What exactly is the will of God? You know, um, when we're praying we're, and we're asking for the will of God to be done, then we're asking for the success of, of the gospel. We're praying for conversion of souls. For men and women, that's the will of God, that people come to know Christ as their Savior. God don't care that you're, whether you're a school teacher or you're a nurse or you're going to go on the mountains on vacation. God don't care about all that. He doesn't. He cares about the gospel and he cares about people coming to know him as their personal savior that is the will of God now you know 
sometimes I think we get sidetracked. We think that the will of God is, you know, we, or we start trying to tell God what, you know, we want, and that's be the will of God. No, <laughs> the will of God is that the gospel should be spread. And so oftentimes we pray that God's will be done, but then we don't like the way it's done. That's the reality. You know, this brings us to a whole different level of submitting to God. It's just submitting to how his will is going to be accomplished. Now, you know, God's will is accomplished through our hardships. God's will is accomplished through financial difficulties, through the loss of loved ones, through sickness. Uh, there's, remember, there's nothing that happens on this earth uh, outside of God's plan. He is sovereign in all things. Therefore, we should submit to his will, not expecting God to submit to our will, but to his. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I know I often come back to this, but uh, it's only, it's, good. it's on my mind. You know, me having been diagnosed with cancer was God's will. That was his will. How am I going to use that? I, you know, I, I use that to share the gospel. And I want to tell you, ladies, I have shared the gospel with more people since I have been diagnosed with cancer than I ever did before. Ever. What is God's will? The gospel. And for it to be proclaimed throughout the, the earth. I've, I uh, share the gospel with my nurse. You know, what I had a, it, when I was down in MD Anderson one time, I, there were several of us, of us in the room, and we were in there just talking and laughing, and the nurse came in, and she said, I, I, he was a hen, he said, I love coming in here. He may have been coming there telling us to be quiet, but uh, he said, I love coming in here because y'all are always so happy and so joyful. But if you've ever been down to MD Anderson, you know that's not a happy, joyful place. Um, it, but she said, well, I can come into this room, and, and it's different here. And I had the privilege to say, the reason it's different is because we know the Lord. And we know that this life is temporary. And we're looking forward to an eternity with our Father in heaven. So we don't have anything to be sad about. We're looking forward to the future. You see, I had opportunity to share with that person. Um, my hospice nurse, I've shared the gospel with her at least three times. Um, numerous other opportunities that I've had over the last four years to share the gospel. It is God's will that I have cancer. And I need to submit to that. And I need to be happy about it. And happy to be used by God in this circumstance to go forth with the gospel and share it with others. Because the reality is, lady, this is all, all of us are going to die. All of us, is, this is temporary for all of us. We need to be looking forward to eternity. And we need to be telling people about eternity. And this, my situation, and, you know, uh, knowing that death is coming and it's, it's coming quick, that I have just, I've, I've, he's given me a great opportunity 
to tell people about Christ so that they can spend eternity, all eternity, in heaven with God. And so we need to see our struggles and our hardships as an opportunity to share the gospel because that is the will of God. Um, some of you have faced all kinds of things in, in your life, but it opens doors for you to be able to tell others about Christ. And that's the way we need to see it. God goes before us to accomplish his will. And, um, he, you know, also... Um, you know, God has just blessed uh, Bo and I in amazing ways over the last four months um, through my cancer. Um, over and over again, I, I have testimony. You know, Bo worked for a company for 18 and a half years that in Houston. He had a great job. He... Um, had no intention of ever leaving that job, you know, until he retired. God had other plans. You know, he he went in one day and they said, we'll I have to lay you off. He thought fell over. How did this happen, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, within a month, he had another job that he didn't even really try to get. He just got <laughs> it. Uh, Bo, I'm, 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 God opened those doors. God worked things out. So that he could be, and I'm going to tell you, I um, this has been such a blessing for the both of us, uh, for him to be home. I don't think I, I don't know how I would have done it without him uh, here with me. And uh, the our relationship has gotten so sweet, and you know, we every night we pray together, and uh, it's just um, you know, it, it's just amazing. But it's has given us. Numerous people. We had a guy come today because the TV wasn't working, so they came and um, came. But you know, it's the opportunity Bo had to share with him the gospel and and what was going on in our lives. And um, you know, he he was so he said, "I'm gonna give you my card. Don't call down there anymore. You just call me." Uh, you know, and because he just you know we just kind of bonded together. But it was over. It, what connected us was the gospel. And so remember that, ladies. The will of God is the gospel. So how are you using your circumstances, whatever they are, to proclaim the gospel? That's the bottom line. Um, anybody have any questions um, as it relates to um, that portion of the Lord's Prayer? Well, we'll move on, um, and we'll, remember I told you that the first portion of this, we we're talking about the Father. Now, we're going to speak about our relationship with the Father. And so, in verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, our daily bread, that's not talking about food, just giving us food. What that's talking about is our physical needs. Whatever our physical needs are, that he would bless uh you know, give us. The, but notice that there, in our physical needs, there's two parts in this verse. He says, it talks about the frequency. Give us this day our daily bread. And he's also talking about an object, whatever it is that we're uh, that we're in need of. Um, you ever get tired of 
sometimes, you know, people always depending on you. You know, always calling, always needing something, you know. Uh, you're just looking forward to the day when I can just get away. Um, <laughs> you know, and no one is constantly depending on me or wanting something. But God's not that way. You know, he, he, doesn't get, he doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't get tired, uh, you know, or want to just say, well, I'm, I wish they'd go on, you know. No, no. <laughs> the reality is God is never weary of us. He never gets tired of us. We can keep coming back to God again and again and again, and it does not matter what the problem is. That's the truth. And we need to be that way. But I just love that, that, you know, we can go to him no matter what and no matter how many times a day. And he's there, ready to listen and to answer our prayers. Um, you know, um, um, when I was diagnosed with LMD, brain cancer, um, I began to have some pretty serious side effects of that with, with uh, my, my temperature, my body temperature fluctuated. Your, your brain fluid controls your body temperature. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be sweating like a dog one minute and freezing to death the next, you know. And at night, you know, I would sweat so bad, you know, I couldn't sleep, you know. And so you know, we began, Bo and I began to pray about that. And uh, that God would uh, somehow, um, you know, help us to alleviate this problem so that I could get more rest, you know, and better sleep. Um, and, and we prayed every single night before we went to bed the same prayer. I want to tell you, ladies, I haven't had a night's with in probably a month. God answers prayers. And we, didn't, we don't just pray one time. We pray every night about it. And God hears. And I, I truly believe that that has made a difference. Um, we need to seek the Lord for our physical needs. And there's no limit to the number of times that we can ask. We can keep going back again and again and again. And we should. Uh, in verse 12, he said, Jesus says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, this passage is not talking about salvation. Here Jesus is talking about our relational challenges that we have with one another. Um, it's coming into agreement with God about, you know, uh, our sin, about forgiveness. We're not harboring uh, unforgiveness, you know, towards others. Um, when we're out of fellowship, with our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, then we lose our power and our effectiveness as followers of Christ. So, therefore, you know, we should, when we are out of fellowship with our brothers and sisters, we're, we lose our effectiveness with Christ, but we also become like the hypocrites. Um, with a form of godliness, but with no power. Um, verse 14 says, Before if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, forgiveness is our greatest need. Forgiveness is my greatest need. It's your greatest need. You see, without forgiveness, you're doomed to hell. All of us. We need forgiveness. And when we refuse to forgive others, it creates a wedge between us and God. It separates us from our Father, who so willingly forgives us of our sins. So we should be just as willing, just as willing as willing as the Father is to forgive, uh, to forgive others. Forgiveness brings about reconciliation. Forgiveness restores relationships. Forgiveness is the way of Christ. Um, you know, and I, through counseling ministry, I've heard all kinds of things like, you know, well, I I forgive them, but, um, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have nothing to do else to do with them. Um, that's not forgiveness. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I just don't think that 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 they really mean it. So I'm, I'm not going. You know, forgive them because, you know, whenever I get to the point that I think they really mean it, then I'll forgive them. You know, you hear all kinds of things like that. Um, or you just dwell on, you know, I just can't get it out of my mind. I just can't let it go. I just, you know, how does God forgive us? When we go to God and we ask for forgiveness, he wipes the slate clean. Now, does God forget what we've done? No. But he never, he never uses it against us again. It's over. It's done with. God doesn't dwell on our sin. Once we've come and asked forgiveness, he knows what you've done, but he doesn't just go around thinking about it all the time. <laughs> it's over. Um, and, you know, he don't go around talking about it to other people. You know, you know what he did, you know what he did. No, it's over. That's what forgiveness is. You know, oftentimes, that's not the way we forgive. We continue to hang on to it. God, we, forgiveness, our forgiveness should look the same as God's forgiveness towards us. And so, if we don't forgive that way, then our relationship with God is broken. He doesn't hear our prayers either. If we're not willing to hear those prayers and, and to forgive those, then he, he's not going to be forgiving us. So we can't. We have a big problem there, and so it is His desire that relationships are restored. That's the way of Christ, and so forgiveness, no matter. And if we went to God, you know, four hundred times a day with the same thing, what does He do? He forgives us. So you say, well, you know, they're just going to do it again. Well, <laughs> so what? Forgive them again if they ask for it. So you see. Um, our forgiveness, for, we need to understand what forgiveness looks like and what, how God forgives. And, if you, and I'll give you Luke chapter 17 is, I think verses 3 through 10 are some of the best, is best passage as it relates to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a matter of obedience. It has nothing to do whether we feel like it or, you know, we think they're going to do something again or, or whatever. It is 
uh, it's an act of obedience to, when we forgive. And so when we don't forgive, then we're in rebellion against God. And then um, it brings us to our last verse. And it, verse 13 says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, I think the influence of evil is underemphasized in our world. We live in an evil world. Evil is everywhere. Um, and I, don't, I think if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves doing battle, you know, with evil among ourselves. But in this, it says, you know, the, just the simplicity of this prayer. We're asking in God, would you, would you deliver me and lead me away from temptation. You know, some of them it says that, well, you know, lead us not into God don't lead us into temptation. God doesn't lead us into sin. That's not what he's saying. So if you go back and you look at the original language, what he's actually saying is lead us away from it. Lead us away from sin. Lead us away from temptation. Um, we're asking the God, God to just take us in a whole different direction so that we can avoid evil as much as possible in our life. Um, the point is that we're not to be like the hypocrites who have a form of godliness with no power, but instead we're to rely on the strength and the power of God, the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're to rely on God's power so that we can continue to grow in the way of Christ. You know, as we grow in the way of Christ, then we, Scripture says we're made perfect. That doesn't mean we're not made without sin. No. What he's saying there is that we're maturing. The more um, that we grow in Christ, the more, more mature we become and the better equipped we are in our giving, in our fasting, in our prayer life. Uh, the more equipped we are to be salt and light in this world. And so, and we live in an evil world. And so we, it is God's will, God's will. We're here so that we can proclaim the gospel. We can witness, we can be the light to an evil world. And so um, I hope that this, um, anybody have any questions as it relates to this? Prayer that we the verse four talks about our father, our relationship. You know, our um, uh, talks about when we're talking to the father about how to pray, and then the second part talks about our relationship with the father. Yeah. Anybody else? Dana, you have anything? So we'll continue. Um, just learning. Remember, this is one continuous sermon. So even though the people that Jesus is preaching to at this point really don't know who he is truly or what's to come or what is going to be expected of them as followers of, of Christ, they're not fully understanding. 
we do have knowledge of mm-hmm. the full gospel, don't we? And we know Jesus as Messiah and as Lord, and we are equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. And though that is, those things are what enables us to walk in the way of Jesus as we continue to um, move through this sermon and study. These are very, very powerful things that Jesus is communicating uh, to his followers. And and as Dana said, uh, that they didn't fully understand. Um, But as time goes on, they become, they, uh, by the time you get to the end of Matthew, you start to realize that they're, that they're starting to understand uh, more about what Jesus is trying to communicate to them. We have an advantage. We have it all. We know. Mm-hmm. And so we really don't have an excuse, <laughs> do we? No. Uh, and so this, uh, what I love about this is this is about the Sermon on the Mount. Is it really um, helps us to understand, um, you know, what things that God, it helps us to understand who God is and the things that he values um, and then the purpose of our lives here as as Christians, why we're here to we're here to accomplish his will and his will is the gospel. Okay. Thank you. So uh, to close out tonight, um, I have asked two ladies to come forward and, and pray and if you want to, you're welcome to stand. Um if you want to, you don't have to. You're welcome to stay seated as well. Um, as you know, you know, you guys know, Versi's been my spiritual mentor for almost 10 years now. And as she has been much longer to many of you and um, sister in Christ. And so um, I've asked Hannah if she would come and just pray a special prayer of thanksgiving for Versi. You know, back in September, the doctors gave her a matter of weeks to, to even live. And um, here we are. <laughs> and it is February. And not only is she still sharing the gospel, she is um, teaching and studying and still shepherding. And we are so, so grateful to the Lord for this time that um, he's given us with her and her with us. And so she's promised and committed to the Lord as well that she is going to continue um, just mentoring and coaching and teaching um, and as long as she can in whatever way that looks. And so right now we're not sure. We don't know uh, we know what next month holds and um, we are trusting the Lord for his grace um, through that and his strength. And so um, I've asked Hannah if she would come and just offer a prayer of thanksgiving for Versi and a prayer for her family and for her through these days ahead. And then uh, Miss Anita is going to come as well. And she's going to pray for us. <laughs> she's going to pray for our women of Kelties. She's going to pray for our ministry um, and that the ministry and the work of the Lord that Versi so faithfully started would continue. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for your faithfulness, God, um, to mercy. Father, truly, you are the only one that holds her days. You've numbered them. You've been faithful to her, Father. And through your faithfulness to her, you've been faithful to us. Father, I think of the verse that says your promise 
gives me life in my suffering. Um, Lord, I also think of in the garden when you said, Thy will be done. I have seen Versi say that again and again. And that gives us great hope for the things that we are facing. God, I do pray that your, your promises would give her comfort. Father, I, I pray that the promise to never leave her nor forsake her, God, will be so evident in her heart. Lord, the promise that says that you are a rock and our refuge, God, our shield and our fortress. I see that so clearly in her life, Lord, and I I ask, God, that that would be such an encouragement to, to us, God, that we would, no matter what we are going through, see this example and, and want that. Father, um, my prayer has always been, God, that you would not allow her to suffer um, physically. I will pray that every single night again and again. And so I continue, and I believe that that is okay for us to ask. Please don't allow the suffering, Father. But we know that Mercy has, is your servant. We know that she's clothed with strength and dignity. God, we know that she opens her mouth and she speaks wisdom. And we have all gleaned from that. And we, we thank you because we know that the Bible says any good or perfect gift that we have is, is from you. And, and you've given her that. And so we glorify you for that and thank you for that. Lord, the Bible also says to seek the Lord in his strength. And it says to seek it content, continually, God, not just once in a while, but literally, Lord, we need to seek you, even if that's every 20 minutes, Lord, just to always be in communion. I, I just see that in her life, and I just, I desire that, God. Lord, I pray that you would be with Tara and Joan. I pray that you'd be with Porter and Evie. And Lord, I have seen the gospel in Bo's life more than I've ever seen it the whole time I have known him. I've seen him pick her up. I've seen him protect her. I've seen him watch over her. What a beautiful display of the gospel in every single one of their lives. I've seen Tara trust. I've seen Miss Joan trust with tears. Lord, be with Porter and Evie's heart, God as they're trying to understand this in their young ages. May this make their faith strong, just like their, their grandmother, Lord, and their great-grandmother, and their mother, and their grandfather. We thank thee for thy faithfulness, for the hope, for the great, great hope, God, that I see them living through, I see them living out. And may we share that hope with those around us. Thank you for the hope that Versi shared with us. Keep them strong. Uphold them. May, your fam may the family of God continue to uphold them, not only in prayer, God, but just in all ways that we can, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Dear gracious Lord, as we continue, Father Lord, just to 
Sing your praises, Father Lord. Give you praise and honor and glory, Father Lord. I just want to thank you so much for Kelty's First Baptist Church. I thank you, Father Lord, for the women here in our ministry, Father Lord, for the ladies in this room. Father Lord, we thank you so much for the example that Bercy for all of these years have been to us, ladies. And Father Lord, many years ago you placed her here and you placed a passion, Father Lord, a desire upon her heart for ladies' ministries, Father Lord. And she has taught Bible to us and uh, she has started mentorship, Father Lord. And she has started ladies' conferences that we have and that we um a treasure, Father Lord, for our community that outreach the gospel here, Father. We have a hospitality team. We have a prayer ministry, Father Lord. All these things that she desires, Father Lord, to uh, continue as she goes home. I pray, Father, that we would step up as young Timothys and we would carry out the ministry, Father Lord, that she has worked so hard to establish here in our church, in our city, Father Lord, in our community. And Father Lord, it should be no surprise to us, honestly, the purpose, the will that we see of yours in her life, Father Lord, even to the very end, her last breath, she's going to be that example, Father Lord, of what we should follow because she's following you so closely. Father Lord, I just pray that you would, um, even tonight, Father Lord, let us take fasting, Father Lord, as a discipline in our life. Let us do that, Father Lord, for the ministry here at Kelty's, mm -hmm. that her work for this ministry would not be in vain, Father Lord, but that we would carry it out and that eternal gains would come for it, Father Lord. Mm -hmm. May we never forget, Father Lord, that your kingdom, your will, Father Lord, is your gospel. And in all of our suffering and in all of our trials, Father Lord, may we always keep that foremost in our mind. And may we always give you praise, honor, and glory in every moment of verses final hours, Father Lord, which may be whenever you call her Father Lord. May we treasure every moment that we have with her. May we continue to learn from her, Father Lord. We love you and we thank you. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.